Guess who's back? It's the real Wrestle Pro. Ginger Jedi mind tricks teach you all that he knows. Had nobody in charge, and he's got all the news. Real talk, straight shooting interviews. Join the queue, put you in a submission. Twenty bucks. Oh wow. Nelson. Okay, shows making flights. Still got time for a podcast. Buck never stops, and he's gonna let you know that. Welcome to the Pat Buck Show. This week we have a very special guest, that being Ring of Honor's Jay Lethal. Before we begin, please check us out, whether it be on iTunes or here on YouTube or whatever way you're enjoying, hopefully enjoying this podcast or video show. Please leave a subscribe, leave a review, do anything you can to help us uh, continue on as we try to get this off the ground. If you can, please check out patreon.com slash show. We have three different tiers for you to uh, kind of get behind the scenes of the Pat Buck Show, including WrestlePro and CreatorPro. Things for up-and-coming wrestlers, things for people that want to sit in the booking meetings and see how a promotion is ran. All that jazz is on the, our Patreon. Let's get to the interview. All right, we're back with two-time Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, two-time Ring of Honor Television Champion. Plenty of championships all across the board for this guy and a good friend of ours, Mr. Jay Lethal. What's going on, Jay? What's up? Uh, everything's going good on my end. I, I live here in Florida, um, and if you didn't watch the news, then you would think that nothing was wrong in the world and uh everything is open in fact i got a massage book later i'll wear my mask don't worry um but yeah i'm doing good how are you guys i think we're doing okay so you're originally from elizabeth new jersey right like what makes you want to stay in florida do you want to come back home do you miss the northeast or no i love coming back home just to visit and see the my family and friends uh in fact every time i visit kevin knows because i always ask him if the school is open uh, right. that's, how he, that's how he knows whether or not I'm in Jersey. Uh, it, it got to a point where I wasn't even asking where the, if the school's open. I would text him, and he'd go, oh, let me guess. You're in Jersey, and you want to know <laughs> what time the school is open. Uh, but, yeah, I, I hate the cold weather. I can't stand it. So um, as soon as I could, I moved uh, as far south as I could, which was Florida. So I will never move back because I, <laughs> I never want to live where any – I don't want to live where it could possibly snow and get cold. Really? You don't like, you don't want snow, you're one of those? You're done with the snow? If I never saw snow again, I, I'd, I'd die a happy person. And I'm planning to bring you to Alaska, like what? <laughs> it, it would be okay just to see it, sure, but I don't want to, I don't want to have to wake up and shovel. Yeah. Who, want, who wants to warm their car up? <laughs> when I get in my car, I want to get, turn on, turn it on and leave. I don't, who wants to, oh, that's the worst. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite, though. I, I, I enjoy if I, let's say, in a car with a convertible top down and stuff, like driving along the water, nice warm. But then, I mean, I love my fall and I love my winter. I don't like it when it's below zero, nine degrees, and you're outside freezing to death. I, I don't like that, but I'm guilty of liking, like, 30-degree weather, 40-degree weather. For me, if it's 50, that's T-shirt weather for me, man. That's, that's heaven. If I so, can't I'm wear my flip-flops... Because <laughs> I feel like when I put sneakers or shoes on, it's like putting my feet in jail. I don't like putting my feet in jail. They don't want to be in jail. They want to be free. So I want. I need to live where my feet can be free. 
You know what's funny? Uh, yeah, because you are from Elizabeth. So just to jump all, all over the place, when you were doing the, the Macho Man deal, the, the Black Machismo deal, how many people yeah. thought that that was just a rib? It's like, from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Like, yeah, okay, Elizabeth, New Jersey, and you're impersonating Savage. I yeah, what a coincidence. Of, never thought of that. Wow. <laughs> Even though you always beforehand came out from Elizabeth, New Jersey, now all of a sudden they're just realizing, like, Okay, Elizabeth, New Jersey. I wonder how many people actually looked up Elizabeth, New Jersey when you came out. Like, there's not a town called Elizabeth, New Jersey, and he's coming out. And ironically, you really are from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Everybody thought it was fake. Everybody. Flair thought it was Elizabeth Town. Elizabeth Town. Um, but yeah, no, it was crazy. Because, yeah, like you said, my whole career I'd been announced from Elizabeth, New Jersey, and no one ever thought anything of it. Uh, but then the second I start doing that machismo thing, that... The fact that I'm from Elizabeth, New Jersey was just a gimmick and I made it up and it was crazy. Yeah, everybody thought it was fake. So you, you do come back home a lot and one thing that's awesome that I think people should know is that you always come by uh, the WrestlePro School in Jersey, which is actually probably the way I kind of got to know you a little bit more because I know Kevin's known you forever. I think it's ironic too because isn't that the place where you were the same building where you started your whole career right well charity hall charity hall don't i know about charity hall man don't go skipping over charity hall what's that well, the, the, charity hall the supermarket where jp started it was a supermarket in bayonne oh i did not that's that's where that was that was before the rec center this was early, late 90s oh. they, it was a supermarket right in bayonne new jersey yeah a bodega but that was just where i got my feet wet i didn't really get to i didn't really start doing things until Jersey All Pro started running in that rec center. So yeah, that's, that, I mean, I, I think I cherish the rec center more than I cherish the charity hall in Bayonne. In the Bayonne, the most memories I have of that is getting thrown into that wall. I really don't have any other memories of that place. And, and now you have your own school, right? Or you train a bunch of, train a bunch of people in Florida, correct? I do, I do. Um, the Lethal Academy, or what? I just call it. You don't know the name. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's place. <laughs> Jay's place. They asked about names, and I don't like the the first place we were in. I was like, it's just a little shack. Let's just call this the shack. And they were like, oh no, it's got to be like Lethal Academy of Tampa. Or I go, no, who like no? I don't just. It's just called the school. That's all I wanted to be called. Um, so yeah, there was always a big debate on whether or not it had a name, but yeah, I, uh, I got a couple guys here that I'm showing the ropes. Um, this school is actually in St. Petersburg, which is only about 20 minute drive for me. So it's not, not too bad. The worst though, is at the peak of the summers, we had to add an air conditioner in there cause Florida can be pretty brutal, but I love the heat. You wouldn't need an air conditioner if there was just a little bit of snow outside, you know what I mean? Keep it nice and cool inside. <laughs> Even though uh, we have to do those drills, I, I bet they wish it was snow in there. So we question about your school, though, because I, I, I remember a while back, again, and you and I, now we go back 20 years. I don't know. When did you actually start? Because I know we're very close at the same time. Wow. Kevin, I don't know if you remember the... I, I'd like to tell the story of the first time I met you. Now, I do. I first met you in Bayonne. See, I don't remember that. I have no memory of that. Well, I mean, you were uh, you were an upcoming superstar, and I was just Valentina's jabroni boyfriend, just hanging out at shows, not even booked on them. You don't? I don't know. Yeah, the first time I ever met you, well, to my knowledge, because I don't remember meeting you before this, was at a SS 
was it SSCW? I had a match against Sanjay and uh, Pat, uh, Simon Diamond was the agent. And Simon Diamond said, okay, you're going to do this, this, this is the finish. And uh, just don't curse. Whatever you do, just, it's a family crowd. Don't, don't curse. said, okay. This was my, also my first time ever working and dealing with Sanjay. So we go out there. He's the heel. The crowd's just giving him crap. So he rolls out, grabs a microphone, and he must have said every curse word I've ever heard. <laughs> in my head, Sanjay? Yeah, uh-huh, Sanjay. In my head, I'm thinking, Simon Diamond just told us that we can't do this. Like, what is he doing? This is wild. So after that match, during the main event, Kevin, you did a run-in, and nope, they didn't tell us, and they made it seem like this was real, because even Simon Diamond came out, and like you kind of backed down, and because you came in through the front door. I had never seen you. Like It seemed like the realest thing that I had ever seen, but I'm sure it was a, a work, but that was that the was first time I, I don't remember meeting you before that. So that was the start of me, you, and Sanjay, huh? That show, that, that show brought it all together? Yeah, that's the first time I remember meeting and working with Sanjay. That's the first time I remember uh, meeting you. But that's I feel bad that I met you before that, and I don't remember. Uh, especially at JCW. Like, that was like my home away from home, JCW. I was on all of their shows. You don't remember me on any of them, do you? No, no. I was on one of your last ones. It was you and, I don't know if it was your last match. It was some, or Mondo's last match. But you guys worked... I remember, I think we were like lumberjacks for it. Gosh, I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. Did my mom get involved? I Possibly. Jay, your mom was involved in every one of your <laughs> matches. Like, that's not a fair question. Come on, man. My mom, I remember John Shane, because I was feuding with live uh, Mondo. John Shane wanted my mom to get involved. And I was like, I, she's not a wrestler. But they were like, no, no, it'd be great. And I think during that lumberjack match, she had to slap him, but she slapped yes. him right in the eye. And I yeah. remember screaming, your mom fucking stiffed me. Your mom fucking stiffed me. She hit me right in the fucking eye. And I remember, like, I told him that she wasn't a wrestler. So, but he was just mad at the moment because he had gotten hit in the eye. But, yeah, I remember that. Wow. Who else? It was your, your mom. Was it your sisters? Dude, I just remember you always had the most passionate family members there that whoever the heel was that was working you, dude, like they either thought it was real or they were just so invested in everything that involved you in their matches where it's like, yo, these, these women are going to jump the rail and just start kicking some serious <laughs> ass. Like, there's their, like they were getting in people's faces and... I didn't follow a lot of too much Ring of Honor, but they didn't they get utilized in a storyline even in Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, with Loki. That's the thing was they they had such a great time, and nothing about them cheering seemed hokey or fake, and it was like infectious. So yeah. them cheering or booing actually made other people get into it more. So like, yeah, it was it was super cool. Then Loki wanted to involve my mom in a tiny angle. And she didn't. It didn't turn out too bad. What did what she actually do? Did she was she involved in a match? Like she was on the other side of the guardrail? Like what? How far did it go? She never came over the guardrail. We fought near the guardrail, and he wanted her to go to slap him, and he moves out of the way, and he's beating me up in front of her. Um, which was now here's the, the awkward part about that. Um, my parents never sit in the front row, and they never come near the guardrail. They're always they want to be in the last row. So that nobody, they're not bothering anybody. Um, so whenever they're up close, and to me, it was always a dead giveaway that something's going to happen. So for that particular show, they needed my mom to sit front row. 
So I got a couple things. So one thing, you, I kind of owe you a, a, a solid because my first show I ever promoted, uh, one of the people in the main event did not make it to the building, that being Sid. Was Jay a last minute add-on? Jay was, I think you were just in the area visiting. I don't know. I don't know what went up, but Jay was there and I went, we went, oh my God. And hey, can you wrestle Matt Hardy? That's not Chismo, right? No, was uh, it? You know, as a, he, he wrestled as... As Sid version of Jay. Oh, Sid, you were Sid. Oh my God. Yes. And that worked out way better. I was just there and uh, I had seen you. You were just, you had this look that you were pissed the whole day. Yeah. Like nothing was going right and I felt so bad. And then I remember you would ask me, look, Sid didn't make it. Could you, you think you could? And I go, sure. I, I, got, I, text, I texted you for that saying, can you do Sid? No, Pat asked me if I, I was already there hanging out. Oh, oh, he okay. Asked me if I could replace Sid. So the show had already started, and I go, yeah, sure. So me and Matt Hardy start talking about stuff, and every time Pat walks by, he's more and more, he's yelling at somebody. I could, so then eventually, Matt Hardy and I ask him, what's the, like, what, what, give us the real story. So he explains the whole thing, and he sent them some money, and then he gave this horrible call. So then, uh, maybe two or three matches before mine, then I was like, well, what if, what if I just pretend to be Sid? And then, then Matt <laughs> oh, got to. And then he was like, you got to cut that promo where he kind of messes up, but where they're like, we're live. And I was like, okay, let me look it up. So I looked up the, that, that uh, interview he did where Jim Ross says, we're live, pal. Uh, so I cut that promo in the ring. Get, but yeah, it was all because, Pat, you were so pissed, man. It was, I was scared to death. It was my first show. I'm like, this is a disaster. It's, you know, it's, and, been, it's been a while, but man, that was eight years ago. And you also said the line, too, like, because oh, I only have half the brain that you do. You said that one. Dude, I remember now, I mean, it's all coming back to me. I forget, I'm going to go home and watch this today because that was amazing. Because I remember you coming out, and then you even step over the top rope, and you're dangling on the top rope. If I'm right, didn't you step over the top rope? Yes, we, we played Sid's music and everything. I remember dumping like a gallon of water on my head so that when I would snap my head, like he does the water would fly and I was like, who's the- You were fist, fist bumping, bumping on the way to the ring. Oh my God, it's so good. That was the times. I, I think I was just visiting my family. That's why I was there. I think so too. It was just like the perfect storm. Thank God you were there. Sorry for that. One thing that fascinates me, I didn't learn about this till recently. Um, you've always been in shape but I heard you're not a gym guy. Is that true? I am now. Oh, you are now. When, when did this start? Because I do remember a, lo a couple of years back, and uh, you, go, you told me, and I quote, Kevin, so I tried that gym thing, was your exact words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy, because, dude, there's been years where it's like, damn, Jay must live at the gym. He shredded and stuff, and it's like, and then you told me you went to the gym one time. Did you, saw, you, did, you had a membership. You did, like, I went there, I did cardio twice. And I was like, that's it? And then I was like, how is this possible? And now, now I think, you actually, you have a full-blown membership, lift weights the whole nine? I do. I think I started around 2015. I wasn't super serious about it, though, um, until maybe two, maybe two years ago is when I got super serious. And even then, I was still, like, slacking off a lot. But now, since there's not much to do during this quarantine, I've been working out like crazy. Um... When right before the quarantine happened and everything kind of shut down, I was 225. Um, and now I'm two this morning. I weighed myself, I was 201 this morning. 
Whoa. Wow. Shredded. So wait, when you were 225, uh, I mean, you don't, I never seen you with bad weight on you. Like, you, you, you're fat Jay Lethal, right? I felt like I was fat. I would look in the mirror and I would be like, oh, people say <laughs> I would be like, everyone says that I'm in shape, but I don't look like, I, when I see myself, like, oh, come on. Like I should, and then, you know, another thing, I'm just being honest. I was so surprised that no one is coming to me like in Ring of Honor and be like, hey, Jay, you're getting a little heavy. You need to, like management. Like if I owned a wrestling company, I mean, it'd be somebody's job to tell some of the guys, hey, you're kind of letting yourself go a little bit. I know that's not the greatest thing to hear, but like I am surprised that no one said that to me. Um, but yeah, I'm working on my abs now, looking good. There you go. I, I mean, feel I'm leaner than I've ever been, I feel like. I've never seen you not in shape. Dude, we're all close around the 20-year mark now. So, I mean, I, I mean, I've been notoriously falling apart for years. Pat somehow hasn't been, knock on wood, has been in pretty good shape this whole time injury-wise. You still go full steam ahead in the ring, and I've never asked you this. Have you had, I know you had that wrist, the broken hand recently, or wrist, uh, what's your call? Have you had any bad injuries, or how are you feeling in the ring? Because you're not slowing down, like... Are you, do you feel like 20 years is catching up to you? <laughs> um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. For instance, last week at my school, there was someone was having trouble learning how to bump. And I legit did like 15 bumps in a row just to get them to, you know, bang, bang, and snappy ones too. And I remember when I, they got it and I rolled out, I finally talked to the, the guy who was there assisting. And Mario was there too. Um, he goes, why, why? You could have just talked them through that. Why would you do that? We're like, we shouldn't be doing that. We're all old, man. And you got, you're still trying to be an active wrestler. I can't believe you just did that. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, to me, it, I don't know. I still feel great. I still feel like a young guy. Only sometimes, like after a big match or something, do I go, oh, my, man, my knee's bothering me a little bit. But then you know what? The, a day or so goes by and then it's back to being. You know, old, my young knees, you know? Yeah, I love those young knees. <laughs> oh, man, those knees, man. Me and you just got them young knees. I mean, Pat, like, when you're in there, like, do you not take them, down, do you not, like, bust out a couple bumps to show the guys, like? Most classes, yeah, I'm doing something. Um, maybe, like, the last, before this, last two months, a little bit less than last, but, yeah, I have a weird theory, because I think we're all, I told Kevin this, I have a feeling that guys between 5'10", and the most six foot around that 200 or 220, I don't think we get injured as often as other guys. Like if you, for some reason, I think our body types for like, and that's something I've noticed with guys like, you know, like, like Jericho or Miz or yourself, I feel fine. Like I've, I have a weird theory that guys are size actually more can absorb more punishment than, you know, six foot five and, you know, other people. So it's a weird theory. Dude, Zach Gowan walks better than me, and he has one leg. Like, <laughs> like it's what you're going. I mean, but now I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better, but um, this is run number, like, according to Hawkins, 19. This is my 19th time coming out of retirement. He swears I keep retiring, yet I've never retired, so. Are you still doing the yoga? Yeah, I do, uh, that's, and it actually works, but I mean, ultimately, I need, we already talked to Brian Cage, I need to make that trip to Columbia, I need to get the stem cell work done, there's no way around that, I need to regrow stuff that's just not there, but I think Pat's right, yeah, it's just the wear and tear 
on my uh, on the knee. Like over, I think the height thing because if you look at those bigger guys like a Kevin Nash and those guys, it's always goes to knees, 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 and stuff like that. So it's always yeah. So I, I need to eventually, you know, make my way out there. I hadn't even thought of those uh, of the times that I worked at JCW. Man, that brought back a lot of memories mentioning that. Man. You're going to start crying? <laughs> You're going to get sentimental? I had so many great memories, and I had a lot of awful memories at JCW. Um, awful? Well, they, JCW, you know, even though they were only the second promotion I ever worked for, and later on in life it would only happen once more after that, but they were the first people that actually tried to not pay me for even though, you know, it was like, what, $40. They tried to not pay me. I, I remember, uh, oh, my dad was so mad. Um, that J, the Jersey J Cup that they would have. I remember round one, I wrestled Rob Echoes. Round two, I wrestled CM Punk. Round three, I wrestled Jimmy Jacobs. And then round four, I don't even remember the match because Homicide just beat me. Just so many rough forearms, and it was, um, it was, it, when you go back, if I go back and watch it, it's kind of tough to watch it, but, you know, that's what they say, you got to earn it. Um, well, anyway, I remember afterwards, uh, Ricky O said, stick around, I'll give you money. I was literally the last one there, me and my family just sitting there. The ring is in the truck already. This is four matches? This is four matches in one night? Yep. Yeah. Ring down, everybody's gone, just me and, uh, Whatever his right-hand man, I can't remember his name, but I'm like, well, Ricky told us to wait. Who, Dave Greco? He goes, no, not Greco. <laughs> no, not Greco. <laughs> That's funny, Dave Greco. Uh, no, no, and this guy was like, oh, well, Ricky's gone. He left maybe five, ten minutes ago. I said, well, my dad, like, my dad was like, call him, call him. And he calls Ricky, and, of course, Ricky doesn't answer. So Ricky's like, I mean – his guy's like, everybody's going to this restaurant here, so maybe just go there. So we drive to the restaurant. Of course, a bunch of the guys are there. Ricky's not. I'm calling him, calling him, doesn't answer. Finally, my dad's like, all right, we'll just go home. And on the way home, we call him, he, and he does answer on the way home. He's like, oh, man, I forgot. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll get you next time. I'm like, okay. So I ended up working two more shows, and each show I would remind him, hey, so this is the money for today, and you didn't give me the money from the J-Cup. Don't worry, I got you, I got you. But he finally did. You won that? Did you win that J-Cup? I did. And you had a chase down. Wow, that's that's rough. Actually, a question that I actually I'm starting to like to ask people, just because especially the ones that have been around like us, you said $40, and we're talking about that payday for four matches. What's the, again, we all had horrific paydays, especially starting out. Like I said, mine was a car of five of us. Like, I'm not talking about free. We've all done those shows when we started out the free shows. I'm talking about actual American currency where five of us drove to NWA Wildside from New York, New York to Georgia. So just think of the tolls and gas alone. We got five people, $20 bill for the car. So that would be $4 a person from New York to Georgia. That, that, was, that, that was outside of working for free as far as getting paid something, that was, that was my worst but it's for the experience. Do you care to share who was in that car? Uh, I think it was like Devin Moore, maybe Danny DeMonto, and people like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember work-wise. I don't. Maybe Jimmy Hustler. I don't know. I really don't. We're talking like 2000. 
three ish. So do you do you have any do you have any like two dollar paydays, four dollars, five dollars and sixty cents? Uh, the worst payday I've ever had when, when it when it comes to that is because I didn't ride with the boys because my family was such a. I think that's what saved me from becoming a degenerate. Probably because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the companies that I worked for there were a lot of degenerates, but every one of my stories don't start with oh man we were all hanging out at this bar or after the party or this these girls were the, like all my stories start with so my family and I were um so I remember Ring of Honor booked me and this is not their fault they booked me in Chicago this was the first time I ever got a flight they said okay well we're gonna pay for your flight we need you in Chicago I go oh man that's that's awesome at this point my family had been to every single one of my shows so when I, I remember I told my dad and my mom, and they were like, well, what about us? And I said, well, they're not going to fly you. So they were, my dad was like, well, well, I'll, well, we can rent, we'll rent a van and we can all go. I go, okay, well, let me, let me ask them. What a supportive family. That's insane. I told Gabe, I said, well, my family really wants to go. So we're, they think they want to rent a van and ride. And he, of course he, of course he loved that. He didn't have to buy a plane ticket for me. Um, and he was already going to have to get a hotel. The only difference was he was going to have me share a hotel. Um, but then my dad was like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll we want to stay at a nice hotel like the Crown Plaza. So we'll, we'll all go and like, we'll all stay and make a day or two. So I, I called Gabe and said, I don't need a flight and I don't need a hotel. Why would he be upset? He was, nice. he was more than happy. So we make this 16-hour drive. We stop a few times. Of course, the it's a Crown Plaza, so it's pretty pricey. Um, now the payday wasn't Gabe's fault because he had already. This was already. It wasn't planned for my family to come. So uh, at the time, I made forty-five dollars, and they it was a check. And meanwhile, a check for forty-five dollars is wasting your money. Uh, but yeah, that was probably worth 16-hour drive there. Expensive hotel, 16-hour drive back for $45. Um, as far as traveling and the payday, you know, ratio, that that's probably my worst one. But like I said, that wasn't really his fault. That he would, he tried to fly me, and we denied the flight. A lot of times pass, and now 2020, you're in Ring of Honor. Um, you're known kind of as the franchise of Ring of Honor. I don't know if that's a, an official name, but I've heard people throw that around. That, you know. That actually, I looked on Wikipedia before, and that's what it said. So I'm bringing that, I'm bringing that up. Pat's the one who edited your Wikipedia. I'm the one that, yeah, I'm changing things. So, but uh, how's everything going there? Do you see yourself? Um, I mean, you've, you've been there so long already, and um, where do you see your future going? You know, uh, I love Ring of Honor. Um, I, I am so proud that I've been dubbed the franchise. That started a little while ago. The franchise of Ring of Honor. Um, I think. One of the big goals, you don't really know it in the beginning, but your big goal is not to really become world champion. Your big goal as a wrestler is just to have that one company who just loves you and they, you are the number one person to them and you are set up, up in front of everyone else. And when there's something needed, they come to you uh, because you're the go-to person and they can put you in any role and they just value you so much. Um, to have that... Uh, if a wrestler can get that, they don't want to let that go. Um, so I can honestly say that I, I, 
it's it's so hard thinking about not being at Ring of Honor um, as far as, like, what does the future hold for Jay Lethal? It's so scary because I don't ever want to let that go. I love Ring of Honor, and they love me, and there's, man, I really found that dream spot, that dream position. Um, so, so, but, you know, I'm not afraid to say my love for professional wrestling um, was created for me anyway, and it's a lot of people in my generation, it was created by WWF television, watching WWF TV, and now they're called WWE. So, I mean, at some point to say that I got to work with or for them um, would be definitely something I'd like to check off my bucket list in time, um, mm. if the time was ever right, because, like I said, that's they helped shape my love for wrestling. Um, having Ric Flair win that rumble and then the cut that promo, man, just... All the stuff with Randy Savage, uh, man, it just imprinted so hard on me. So um, in a roundabout way, I'm saying I don't know where the future holds. I am saying that I don't ever see myself leaving Ring of Honor because um, I don't want to let that spot go of having someone value my opinion and anything that I say and knowing that no matter what they put on my plate, I can I can handle. To go somewhere else, depending on where you go, it could feel like having to start over, but that can be scary for a lot of people, I don't know. Right. Now, uh, what you're saying with, you know, WWF shaped your love and your, you know, franchise of Ring of Honor, what was it like being at Madison Square Garden? Main eventing. Main eventing. That's kind of like double worlds because that's, you know, the WWE building and you're in this company that's done so well by it. And on paper, that should have never happened. No one was ever going to run MSG other than WWE in the history of ever. Like, people would have bet their lives that that would have never happened. Sure. Like, and right. that, that was, and you main evented the first ever show, right? The outside yeah. of WWE. That was his, that's legit history. Greatest night of my entire life, my career, wrestling career, and nothing in my personal life has been able to match that either. So it's the greatest night uh, of my life altogether. And you know what? Um, I, I've become a huge fan of Matt Taven. Not many people get, not many people have gotten to see Matt Taven the way I've gotten to see him, his work rate. Um, just, you know, sometimes he comes in and he's not feeling the best. He'll come in with a limp, but man, when you watch him in the ring, all that is out the window and he, he has this burning desire to prove much like every wrestler does, but I just, I really see it in him. He's just, he's out to prove to the world that he's one of the best wrestlers. Um, and I see it and I fell in love with it. Um, and I just think he's one of the hardest workers, never complains about anything. Um, he wrestled almost a year. He wrestled for almost a year with something torn in his foot. He finally was able to have the surgery. Um, and to, to get to share that moment with somebody like that, man, it's the greatest night of my life, man. Just to touch on one more thing on the garden. So, I mean, obviously we all know it was historic. Like, did it feel historic right before you went out? Did it feel, holy crap, like right in gorilla position. The, like, I'm in Madison Square Garden, about to main event Madison Square Garden. Did you get, did it feel any different than a big Ring of Honor show? Did you, yeah. like, you had different jitters going on? Oh yeah. In fact, in fact, the, this has never happened to me before for any show. Um, even when I wrestled Ric Flair on pay-per-view, um, nights leading up to the event, I couldn't sleep. And it was the only way I can compare it 
the only thing I compare it to is when I was younger, there were moments, days right before Christmas, where I was so excited about what was under the tree that it made it so hard for me to sleep. And it was the exact same feeling. For days, I could not sleep. And like, not to take anything away from my Ric Flair match, but I didn't have that. Not, of course, I was looking forward to it. I was about to wrestle my idol. But this one, man, it was so different. And I remember Marty went to the ring, and I'm standing right behind him because the people can't see me because of the way the tunnel works. But I'm standing right behind him as he walks up the stairs and the eruption. And I'm like, oh, man. Gave me goosebumps on my left side. And then Matt Taven, I watched Matt Taven walk up. And I'm I should, I'm so close to the fans, should be able to see me. But the way it works, they can't. And he walks up and just a big eruption because the guy's playing the piano. And I'm so nervous. And I remember the head of production, his name is Mark Davis. I remember before I go out, he goes, go get him, champ. Uh, Mark Davis is such a cool guy. He's a hard, He's he's got this hard exterior, so a lot of people don't like him. But... Man, just, and I remember walking up those stairs to get to that top of that stage and just this explosive energy hit me because I wanted to come out on stage and hit this, just my pose and soak it in. But if you go back and watch it, I can't even sit still. I walked from side to side on, on the top of the stage and man, it was, it was incredible. Man, it was, I would give anything to relive that again. It was incredible. Because also, like a lot of people know, my day job, I do work in the city at an upscale uh, gentleman's club. And then we, I do bring over uh, the girls over to Madison Square Garden, and they do promo work, hand out flyers and stuff like that to patron, for big events coming out. And I remember one of the times I <clears throat> went by there uh, for like 20 minutes, I remember looking up and I saw a banner of you hanging out of the <laughs> garden promoting that show. And I was like, wow, man, we both made it. Like, me and Jay, we're... we're <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> uh, we're both at the garden. Jay's right here. I'm right here. It's this is we're one and the same. And like like part of me was happy, and then the other part was like I was like, oh man, <laughs> like good for you, Jay. I was like, Dad. But I have that banner. Do you? The one that was hanging on the garden? Yeah. So the day um, the day before the garden show, we had to go. There was a signing, and when I got there, because my face is on the poster, the the um, Madison Square Garden social media person comes and some manager. They come up to me because my face is there. So I think they thought that I was a big deal. So they bring me into this room as if I was some star. And they're like, hey, can you sign this for us? Sign that. Can you cut a promo so we can put it on our social media? And I'm like, sure. They're like, well, how much time do you need? I'll come back and get you. I'm like, I'll do it right now. What? Oh, my God. No, thank you so much, sir. And I was like, oh, man. Then they were like, would you like a tour? They gave me this tour. They're like, nobody's ever been in this room. You, you, they don't allow people back here, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, man, they treated me so well. I, and my, oh, in the back of my head, I could just think, they must think that I'm some kind of, we sold out Madison Square Garden. My face is on the poster. They must think that <laughs> I'm like a huge like deal. Like, you are. Well, that, that is you a big are, deal. <laughs> dude. It's not, it's not an illusion. You no. are. That was. You, How many can say that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, no matter how, uh, 200 years from now, when they go back in the history books, what's the first event that ran MSG outside of WWE? It's, you main evented that. You went into that as champion. The first, dude, that's legit history. You're, you're, being, you're being very humble about it, but I mean, dude, you can't, you can't fake history. You, you say they thought I was a big deal? I knew you and I thought you were a big deal when I was like, he, this is huge. 
Like that's that was the equivalent of when like I saw Omega like main event the Tokyo Dome. Like that's that that was history in itself. Like you main event dude, that's history. Like you can't change that. That's that's that look at you, you're giggling about it. <laughs> in that room I said, uh, you know, that that banner, the big banner outside, how could I get that? They were like, Oh, you want it? It's yours. Uh, like 40 people already asked, and it was already promised to one of your production guys, but nope, you can have it, it's yours. I go, really? And he calls some girl, kind of like snaps at her, come get his uh, address, write his address down, we'll send it to you as soon as we take it down. Then the one guy was like, just so you know, you know, there's been a couple hockey players and basketball players, they had banners, we sent it to them, and then they call us all upset. You know, that thing sits outside in the rain and the weather. It's not going to smell great when it gets to your house. Is that okay? I go, yeah, it's going to go in my gym, so it's fine. But, yeah, that's how I, I outranked, like, 40 – she said 40 people. Wow. Well, please tell me the Lethal Clan had an MSG VIP suite. Not their own suite, but yes. Yeah, they had they – had there was a special suite for everybody, a certain people – um, upstairs, and I was able to get them in that suite. Imagine that was the first show they didn't go to. They're like, now nah, we have something to do that day. We're good. <laughs> they had a great weekend. They had never been to Broadway. Um, I took them to Broadway. They, man, it was, and then their son, they came to Madison Square Garden to watch their son. Man, oh, man, what, a, what an experience for them. Because my dad only, he's been to more shows than my mom, only because my mom refused to go to those first two shows that I had. <laughs> Uh, so my dad was there at that charity hall in Bayonne. He was in Union City where the you, you could only fit like 20 people in there and the, the locker room was a stairway. He's been to it all throughout my whole career. And then finally at Madison Square Garden, it was so cool to have uh, my parents there. Um, and then there's a, a something happened at the end, a little embarrassing story, which had yeah, I don't want to tell. I shouldn't even. We'll have you on again. <laughs> we appreciate your time already. So we know you got to get somewhere. Is there anything you want to plug or anything uh, upcoming you want to, you know, mention? Uh, no. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would like to plug, and I'm only going to say this, you know, the world is kind of crazy right now. I just, anybody watching, I just hope you're staying safe um, and staying occupied and finding something to do with your time and, and, and uh, I, I love everybody, and I want everybody to know that if you're a fan of mine, then I love you. If you're not a fan of mine, then I still love you. Um, this, we just need to increase the love in this world. Um, but, yeah, that, that, I'd rather say that than any social media plug, Twitter. Everybody's got a Twitter and a Facebook. But, yeah, I just thank you for watching, and I, I love everybody, and hopefully everybody's safe. Well, Jay, real quick, if uh, the people that are watching from Florida, when the world opens back up, if they're interested in becoming a professional wrestler, they can reach out to you to train at Jay's Place Wrestling Academy. The Shack. Or Jay's Shack Wrestling School. What it, the unnamed wrestling school. They can reach out to you on social media, right? Yes, yeah, just uh, on my Twitter or my... Uh, yeah, Twitter or Instagram is the main one that I use, and both of them are... The name is at the Lethal Jay. Um, and it's all spelled out, T-H-E-L-E-T-H-A-L-J-A-Y. Funny story about why it's the Lethal J. Everything is the Lethal J. My website is thelethalj.com. My Instagram, everything is the Lethal J because um, the very first time I ever met Chris Candido, um, I was on a USA Pro show. I'd never met him before, so I don't know how he knew who I was. I never met him before. I get to the locker room. I'm saying hi to everybody. I come in, and uh, 
when I went into the actual locker room area, he was the only one in there. And when I walked in, he goes, ah, it's the Lethal J. How are you? And I go, holy shit, Chris Candido knows who I am. Um, and then every time I would see him after that, which was like six or seven times after that, he'd go, ah, the Lethal J. And then um, I was supposed to go to Impact. He was there. This was right before I came in. And then that awful accident happened to him. And then um, he passed away. So then everything that I could think of, I wrote the Lethal J on everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then that just kind of stuck. So yeah, everything is the Lethal J. How much to Candido? That's awesome, dude. I didn't know that. That's Very cool. cool. Thanks, Jay. We really appreciate it. We love you, Jay. Thank you. Love you guys. This is awesome. Thank you for checking out the Pat Buck Show. Thanks to our guest, Jay Lethal. Of course, thanks to KM. Huge thank you. They don't get enough credit for GoPro Wrestling that keeps the show going. Uh, we'd be lost without them. So if you can, check out the social medias. Buck never stops. The Lethal Jay, Superstar KM, GoPro Wrestling. Show your support. Uh, once again, patreon.com slash patbuckshow to kind of get a look behind the scenes or what we have to offer. Um, check us out next week. Same time, same place, same platform. Buzz killer.